This is Always Be Watching, recorded live from our respective bunkers. My name's Dan Barrett, joined here by Chris Yates. Hi, Dan. It's great to be here. Oh, look, Chris, the pleasure is... I don't know. Is there even pleasure in the world anymore? (laughs) Not a whole lot of it. I don't know. It depends where you derive your pleasure, I guess. (laughs) Well, I derive most of my pleasure from television, so things have been going swimmingly. You know, I don't want to go on about it too much, but I have a... It's interesting the way people are experiencing this whole lockdown uh, differently and and across the world. I seem to have a lot less time on my hands having my children at home and trying to work at night, so I'm not plowing through um, the entire Police Academy collection like I wish I was. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a different kind of thing, but I'm finding I am chatting to a lot of people about television, which is, of course, you know, the only thing really to talk about. Like, I I think for... Oh, sorry, I think for me, with my spare time, I, it's not that I really have a huge amount of extra spare time in the world, because I'm still working a 9-to-5 job. The only difference is that I don't have a commute anymore. So I guess I may be squeezing an extra two hours into my day, where I'd usually be sitting on a train or walking to the train station or whatever. So at that time, I've been parlaying more into just going for, you know, walks with the dogs in the morning and the afternoon. But I guess maybe squeezing in like an extra 15 minutes of TV a day. So it's not really much benefit. No, but that is um, probably not such a big deal considering you watch about four hours of TV a day on a normal day. Yeah. On like a weekday. <laughs> like that's <laughs> yeah, W-E-A-K. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm. yeah, um, a bit of punnage. I love a punnage. Uh, so yes, it's a little bit weird doing this as well. A bit disembodied. We'll probably sound a little bit different, but I think uh, it seems to be working. No, exactly. Uh, so essentially, usually myself and Chris were in the same radio studio together when we do this. Uh, today, though, we're in our respective homes because we're socially distant and not just emotionally distant, <laughs> which is our main our main reason of being. Um, and I could even see you for a little while there, but I don't think I can see you anymore. Yeah, technology has gotten in the way. So anyway, we're going to overcome some boundaries this week. Next week, we want to get, kick things off with the podcast, and we'll try to do things a little bit differently. Uh, something which I flagged on the podcast last week was just that I think going forward, we're going to try to approach the podcast some different ways. So this might be sort of a mix of doing some much shorter podcasts than usual, but maybe more than one podcast a week. We're sort of playing around with ideas at the moment as to exactly how we're going to do that. But I think 45 minutes of us just nattering on about TV recommendations probably isn't quite right for how people are spending their time right now. <laughs> Might be a little much. No, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, the, the challenge for people listening to podcasts is that people are listening to podcasts on commutes and while they're driving to and from work, they're listening to it in the gym. You know, there's all sorts of reasons to be listening to a podcast. Whereas now you actually need to schedule that time a little bit more because we don't have that free time of just wandering around. Is podcast listening down, do you think? Uh, well, apparently it is. So there's reports in the US of it being up, but broadly, if you listen to the people who actually measure these things, uh, they're talking about podcasting being down by like, you know, 10, 15%. And that'll probably end up getting lower and lower as the next few weeks pass on, as people's habits change in the way that they're traveling around. I did read an article about um, radio being up, but that was from a very um, pro-radio uh, resource, so I don't know how optimistic they were being. Yeah, I read that one as well. Uh, which, I mean, it kind of makes sense that people are listening to more, like, news uh, talk-based radio as well as, totally. like, just general watching TV news, because people want to be informed and try to stay on top of something which is really, you know, fairly oppressive, and people want to be able to make sense of things. Um, one of the better things about doing it from my home is that I'm currently also drinking wine, so that's nice. Hey, that's all right. I'm drinking water like an idiot. I've started on white wine. I've never really been a fan before, but it's all that's in the house, so... I'm getting involved. 
Um, I don't know, maybe next week I'll bust out some whiskey. That'd be something to get the podcast really rocking. Hey, Chris. Maybe we should theme a drink based on uh, (laughs) the show we're watching, the show we're discussing. Yeah, but then, you know, like, I've known you for a number of years, you've known me. This is just going to become a Cheers fan podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we just drink a beer all the time. I could, I've got a bit of a gag about um, the drink that would be appropriate for this first program that we're going to discuss. Do you want to give me some kind of intro or ask me a question about perhaps what I might have been watching? Uh, Chris, uh, just, you know, let's maybe sort of hem into our format a little bit. Have you been watching TV recently? And if so, what have you been watching? Well, me and it seems most of the rest of the world have been watching a show called Tiger King. My name's Joe Exotic and this is Thunder and Lightning. The only difference between my pet and your pet is mine have three-inch teeth and they weigh 400 pounds. Does it feel good to stand on my stage with 500-pound tires and everybody envy you? Absolutely, okay? I would be the biggest liar if I said no. Okay, so Tiger King, Chris, uh, one of my big biases in the world is that I'm not really much into true crime in the way that everyone else in the world seems to be gaga for it. My understanding about the Tiger King, pretty true crime heavy. Yes, well, I'm only, uh, I've only watched the first episode, which is big, and I've only, I only did that about an hour ago so that I would have something to discuss with you and because I wanted to, be, <laughs> I wanted to feel part of the zeitgeist for once. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, look, the... the to be honest, so I'm assuming you haven't watched it yet, then. Oh, look, I've seen the first 10 minutes of the first episode, and I plan to watch it, because it seems kind of interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I don't actually know much about it, or really where it goes, beyond the fact that there's, like, tiger parks. Okay, well, the the, the first thing I would say is, for me, the vibe is very much reminiscent of um, some, you know, shorter-form doc- or movie-length docos that you would be a big fan of, as well as I. I think um, it, it, really, it, it really gives me more of a... Um, you know, the King of Kong, the doco about the dudes yeah, yeah. Um, playing Donkey Kong, and also um, American movie, like these kind of eccentric, weird American characters. And so far into this thing, it isn't really playing out like one of those um, true crime docos were. I know it's going to go into that because I, I know what the basis of the story and stuff is. But the first episode, at least, and, and what I've seen of the second one so far, have been very much just trying to... Uh, you know, just setting this, just setting the scene, introducing these characters who are freaking amazing and weird and incredible and exactly the kind of people that I want to watch from a distance on my television, you know? Um, so I don't think it's as, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying about the true crime and I'm not such a big fan either, but for more of those kind of like quirky outsider weirdos, oh my God, this is how people actually live um, kind of perspective. It's already just mind-blowingly fascinating. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, those are my people. <laughs> exactly, you know, they're the kind of people I want to be talking to, not the, uh, not the people that have got nothing um, crazy going on. And, and there's definitely uh, one of my friends lives up in, uh, you know, a, a regional town in uh, Queensland in the west, and he was talking about how much it reminded him of this local character, who um, I'm, I'm sure probably hasn't committed any crimes or at least not been caught for them. But I think there's definitely a sense of that sort of like outsider. Um, quirkiness that you know a lot of people I think watch uh, you know to laugh at and to kind of there's a, there's an argument that that sort of television is people you know laughing on at the swamp people or whatever from their privilege um, you know tout pillars um, in the big cities but also I think you know there's just I, I I prefer to sort of think of it as reveling in this other you know just the the breadth and weirdness and how different we can be as people is just it's just mind blowing. 
So the interesting thing about this phenomenon, and I noticed that a little bit with some of these Netflix shows, which the I, the general perception is that everybody's watching these programs, is that I see a lot of the sort of culture writers and the cultural tastemakers on social media all talking about how everyone's obsessed with this program, but I'm not seeing the conversation really extend beyond these people. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do wonder sort of whether or not everyone's watching these things, because I found that with the stupid virus around my TV watching hasn't been so much in terms of looking for the new exciting thing, but really it's been about a lot of comfort viewing. For sure. And so I'm wondering, is Tiger King necessarily as big as the cultural phenomenon suggests that it is? Or is it really just that people who are looking for new things have maybe globbed on Sir Tiger King, but the majority of us are still watching a whole bunch of 30 Rock and The Office? I had, a con- I had a conversation with someone about it today who was suggesting that maybe the virus has created an environment where watching something like Tiger King is is really perfect because it gives you something to kind of invest in, um, stress about, uh, worry, you know, like try and figure out or whatever. And, you know, be a bit like it, it lets you, it's a, it's a weird kind of escapism, you know, where it's like, you know, it's real. It's like a disassociative mood. Yeah, totally. You know, it's this weird, totally thing that's going on. That's got absolutely nothing to do with any of this completely removed from anything you're actually going through in life. And, um, yeah, shows you this, uh, you know, like the the ultimate distraction kind of show. But um, yes, yeah, there's probably something to that. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's very interesting though to th- to hear that you know, yeah, maybe it isn't. Um, well, just that you're questioning the idea that everybody in the world is watching this show because I'm sure there's a lot of people also um, succumbing to comfort television. I watched Back to the Future too the other day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good choice. Uh, so anyway, we've been talking about Tiger King without actually talking about Tiger King. What's it about? And what's the general sort of vibe of it all? So there's oddball, crazy characters, but beyond that, what's happening? Okay, so there's a guy, he's the Tiger King, the kind of character that you would uh, associate perhaps with the sort of trailer park culture of the United States. He um, lives in a, on a massive property where he has 180 or something um, large cats tigers um pumas uh jaguars i don't know what all the cats are but heaps of different kinds of cats um he loves them he's made a he's made a, a life out of um selling uh the experience of hanging out with these cats to people starting as a traveling mall guy uh who would take tigers to the malls and stuff and now to this massive massive park and the story at this point is about whether or not he, uh, so, so basically there's a, he has a rival who is a animal rights an, an animal rights activist uh, by the name of Carol and Carol is um, runs a sanctuary where she rescues tigers from the people who have been raising too many tigers and not looking after them properly and um, putting them in a um, a sanctuary so basically a bigger zoo with less tigers and more space tiger king himself thinks that she's doing exactly the same thing as him uh except that she's trying to shut him down and she's trying to get his tigers she thinks she's doing it for all the right reasons but there's obviously a little bit of exploitation going on there with her side of how she does her business as well ultimately they all think they're doing the right thing for the tigers um tiger king thinks he's helping conservation worldwide she thinks she's rescuing them from there and they're both doing what they can to make money amidst all this uh at some point the uh the show is going to or 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 the story is going to suggest that um the tiger king paid somebody to kill uh carol and um i believe he's currently in jail for that very crime and i don't know what how the show whether the show is going to suggest that he 
didn't do it or who the hell knows what's going on. It's I haven't read too much about it because I wanted to go in fresh and that's the basic premise uh, as I see it. it one, one thing it did get me wondering about, I compared it before to King of Common, American movie, which I both, you know, which are both fantastic documentaries. And I was thinking like, is this the kind of thing that could have been told over an hour and a half movie? Are they going to flesh it out? But it got me more, the more I sort of thought about that, the more I wished that we just had you know, a much longer version of those other two documentaries. <laughs> like, I think that, I feel like I would have really enjoyed watching a, a couple of hours worth of that stuff. So, um, and in and in truth, with all the follow up of King of Kong and stuff I've done, I've probably seen another two hours worth or two and a half hours worth of, of story relating to that anyway. So, so yeah, rather than thinking, oh God, this is going to, are they going to be stretching this out? You know, definitely not. The other thing that was really interesting, I just, I just had a couple of little observations, but one was that, um, you know, it was like, it was very easy to go kind of like, oh God, only in America would you see these kind of weirdos and stuff and that sort of thing. But then very quickly remembered that I have myself paid money um, to go and see Steve Irwin's Australia Zoo, which is essentially exactly the same thing. Like it's a massive park where he has a bunch of crazy animals um, that you're not supposed to keep in captivity. And, um, you know, that was perfectly, that seemed perfectly fine and normal at the time. And obviously there's a different level of kind of uh, legitimacy around that sort of operation these days. But essentially, it's the same kind of thing. It's just different levels of, like, schmickness to the zoos. So, I mean, Australia Zoo is a fairly fancy zoo in the greater scheme of things. But, like, the spirit of intense really not that different. No, no, that's right. The action, and, and the sort of, like, you know, the, 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 the same... Um, the, the sort of... The, the person behind it is a similar kind of guy. Like, Steve Irwin's obviously a similar kind of... He's motivated by similar things to this guy. The other thing that I found was really interesting is that um, it doesn't take long before they start talking about... Um, comparing themselves to the Waco compound and if you know Peter or somebody come to try to shut them down <laughs> then they're going to go out all guns oh, blazing geez. and you know they've got guns and stuff and he's heaps like that kind of um, cult leader type like he's um, he makes he writes songs he's um, he writes country music he's got the, there's some fantastic like incredible video clips for some of his songs where he's standing on the um, you know on, an, on a police car which is on a green screen playing his guitar while there's ex- fireworks and stuff in the background it's it's amazing stuff but you know it's another thing that's that those cult leaders are kind of famous for um okay is, is, well, you've, is, chris you've sold me i mean <laughs> well this is all the first 20 minutes of this thing too it's not like you know that's what's so amazing about it i was kind of like you know i'm very cynical about liking things that other people like so i kind of went into it a bit like oh yeah all right we'll do this but then it it literally took seconds for me to kind of figure out what the hype was about so yes anyway i essentially just had like my skeptical hat on which is like everyone's well supposedly everyone's talking about this show and i figured that if i just kind of stick my head in the sand for a couple of weeks like it'll just bypass and people move on to that next thing and i can keep on watching my many seasons of the good wife back to back like that's that's all i've been watching really and I figure I can just keep on doing that and Tiger King will pass me by. But you kind of sold it with that. Um, uh, the idea that I could be watching, and I'm trying to think of the pinball, not pinball, the Donkey Kong guy, Billy. What's the gentleman's name? Oh, yeah. Um, what is his name? Oh, God. What is uh, oh, God. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. So but like, I'm thinking about guy. characters like that, who's just one of these sort of great documentary characters who's just left an imprint on my mind entirely. And my world would be a lesser place without Billy... Billy Billy Mitchell. Billy Mitchell. If Billy Mitchell wasn't part of my brain now, 
like really i don't even know what the point of life would be so i actually it hurts me to think that <laughs> yeah, i'd be exactly. missing out on another one of these characters in my life so i think i'm gonna have to watch tiger king and get on board with this oh you're gonna love it i swear to god it's very um yes it's a thing that is going to is going to reverberate for quite some time i don't think anyone's walking i don't think anyone's going to forget this one really quickly the same way i haven't forgotten either of those things now chris i did say i've been watching a whole bunch of the good wife but i have watched some other things purely for the purpose of this podcast and i was thinking if you could maybe entice me somewhat i could maybe talk about what i've been watching well since i've been watching a lot of um well one episode of tiger king on netflix and uh the only other thing i've been watching is letter kenny that's about all i've got to talk about today um so yeah and i was wondering if, if maybe you'd been watching something that you want to talk about. Chris, I have been watching something. Can I talk to you? Do you remember like in the olden days? Like the, like well ago, like in times gone by, like I don't know if you can even remember these times, but there used to be these places called cinemas where you could go to watch movies. You know that I don't go to the cinema very much, but uh, the last time I went to see a movie was um, Young Einstein in 19... No, no, it wasn't really. It was last year. But um, <laughs> yes, I do know I do know what you're talking about. I hear they're having a rough time. I hear that nobody's going to them because they're legally not allowed to. Uh, yeah, they have been shut now for, what, like three weeks, I think now? It's, it's rough going. I don't even know what to do with my spare time anymore. But <laughs> something that should be playing in cinemas right now that isn't is a brand new Pixar movie called Onward. Okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. (gasps) No way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard! What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. So, Chris... Roughly around this time, like, school holidays are supposed to kick off, what, this week or next? I believe... I don't even know what day it is anymore, Dan. I've completely lost track of it all. I think that school (laughs) holidays, yes, are meant to start next week. Yeah, yeah. So, with the timing of school holidays, they held back this Pixar movie called Onward. But obviously, cinemas aren't open anymore. So, they've done the same thing that you're finding with a couple of other new releases that aren't necessarily the huge releases of the moment. And they've released this thing straight to digital. So, as of uh, the time that people are listening to this, although I think it's really this coming Monday, uh, you can download Onward for a price that's probably a little bit too much than you really want to spend from your iTunes store or Google Play or whatever your platform of choice is, and you can watch this film called Onward. Now, Chris, do you know anything about the movie Onward at all? No, I can't believe I haven't heard anything about it. Okay, so, okay, the premise of the movie is this. You've got these two brothers, they're both elves... Uh, but they're just like everyday teenagers. Uh, their names are Ian and Barley. And essentially what we have is a world that's populated somewhat sure. by magic. So like these teenagers are elves and then you've got like other like creatures of like fairy tales, like, um, you know, unicorns and that sort of thing, just sort of wandering around. But they're just wandering around as part of everyday society. The thing is that magic's more or less kind of disappeared from this world. Right. And while it's sort of present, people are just kind of ignoring it. They're just getting on with their lives. So there's one character we meet at one point who's a dragon and she's not actually sort of doing dragon related things anymore. She's running a themed restaurant, for example. Okay. So you've got this sort of world that has magic in it, but no one's really practicing the magic. These two teenage boys, they've been uh, left to just be raised by their mother because their father died when uh, they were both very young. Uh, So the older brother has a bit of a memory of the father, but the younger one has like next to no memory at all. And he sort of lives off the stories that's been told to him over the years by his brother and his mother. 
So anyway, on this, uh, on the mm. younger boy's, I think, 16th birthday, he's given this gift. It's a wand that's been left to him by his father. And he has right. like the ability for just one day only to bring his father back from the dead. So he, cut, he cast the spell, but the problem is that the spell doesn't work entirely, and he only brings back half of his father, the bottom half. The entire film is basically these two brothers going on a quest with their father, who's just a pair of walking pants, uh, as they travel across the local couple of suburbs uh, to try to create the rest of the spell to bring the father back. And so it's, it's very Pixar-like in that they play it for maximum emotional effectiveness where they can, but it's all very funny and charming and offbeat and a little bit strange. Basically, if you've ever seen a Pixar movie before, you kind of know what you're in for for this movie. There's no real surprises by any means, but I sat down in a cinema to watch this because mm-hmm. I got to see a preview of it before cinemas disappeared. Yeah, I was, I was totally into it. Like, I was um, completely taken by this movie. But I will say that of all the Pixar movies I've seen, and I haven't seen all of them, I've seen maybe about half of them, I'd say this is a Pixar film that's probably in that, like, middle tier Pixar. It's not one of the best Pixar movies. It's not one of the worst Pixar films. But even the worst films are still pretty good. Yeah, that's right. What's your favorite Pixar film? Oh, good question. Uh, maybe Toy Story 3? <laughs> 3? Really? Yeah. Uh, three's amazing. I mean, two's also incredible, and one's, like, pretty good. You think they actually kept getting better? I don't even know if I've seen Toy Story 3. Is that is well, that? I haven't seen four, so I can't say for sure that they keep on getting better. But two and three <laughs> right. are definitely, like, very good. And number three has this moment with the toys all trapped in a incinerator, which is maybe one of the most uh, stomach-churning things I've ever seen committed to cinema. Oh, yeah, no, I have seen that. Maybe it's just maybe it's just um, four that I haven't seen as well. Yeah, but man, the trauma of that incinerator, Chris. The trauma. I wanted to tell you what uh, my favourite uh, Pixar movie was, but they're loading too slowly for me to read. Uh, just give me a second, because it's just um, my my brain's not what it, my memory my recall is not what it used to be. Dan, <laughs> I might be shocked to hear. Um, I haven't seen any of them. Haven't seen any of them. Our oh, cars is pretty good. Never seen Cars. Wally's great. I, I I don't know if I could go past Wally. I only saw that very recently, and it is a terrifying glimpse into our. I, I wouldn't even say future anymore. I'd probably just say present. <laughs> Look, it's pretty close to Wally. Is actually a pretty incredible movie. I quite liked Up for the most part. Up is quite good. Uh, the Incredibles is great. Geez, there are a lot of good Pixar movies. You were right. Yeah, like they don't really make bad movies. No, true. Yeah, but anyway. Upward, strong recommendation. I think people need to check this one out. And also, people don't have a huge amount of things to do outside of sit around on a couch. You can work from home, you can watch some TV, that's about it. These are perfect conditions to throw down with a mid-tier Pixar movie. But I do want to give maybe a bit of a recommendation, which is that while Mm -hmm. it's not playing in cinemas, and it is going direct to digital from April 3rd, which as we record this is tomorrow, which is a Friday... Look, mm-hmm. you could do that, or apparently you can wait till April 24th, and it's just going to be on Disney+. Plus. So, maybe mark it in your calendar, give it a go in a couple of weeks' time, but if you desperately want to see some Pixar, you're not going to go wrong with it. You're not wasting your money if you do want to see this film a little bit earlier and catch it from the 3rd of April. So, you're saying that it, uh, the cinemas are going to be back open then? Is that what the cinemas are telling you? No, no, the cinemas aren't going to be open, but it's going straight to digital. So you can just watch it through iTunes or Google Play and pay like 30 bucks for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
or you can watch it on Disney Plus. Oh, Disney Plus, sorry. The streaming service. You know, the place where you watch your Simpsons. Yes. And you could watch it on Disney Plus for whatever your, you know, like nine bucks a month, I think it costs. So, is it already on Disney Plus or you said it's going to be there soon? Sorry, I missed that bit. It, it will be from April 24th. April 24th. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was wondering why it wasn't going straight there, but I guess this way they get to like make a little bit of money out of those people that pay for um, digital files that don't really exist that sit on your computer for a few days and then disappear. Yeah. But like the thing is that from Disney's perspective, they pumped a lot of money into making this movie. Yeah, for Like they sure. want to try to get some sort of return on it and going straight to Disney Plus kind of doesn't really give it the um, strength of, um, you know, value of that title. So, you know, it kind of makes sense give them a couple of weeks on straight to digital and then see how it goes on streaming. Who are the people that buy um, movies in a downloadable way that can't wait for them on another platform or aren't already satisfied with the myriad things they do have to watch on their streaming platform? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's really shifted um, for music. Like, we used to have a pretty, pretty big... Well, not a big, but, you know, people used to buy sort of albums to download um, from various places, from iTunes. It used to cost about $17 or something to download an album, um, which Spotify has all but put an end to. I don't even know if you can actually buy it. I don't think you can actually even buy an album on Spotify anymore. Do people still da- download um, movies and, and watch them? Who are the people that do this? Oh, look, some people do. I've heard of it happening. It actually happens out <laughs> in the world. Uh, like, I think if you're after a very specific title, you probably are. And I would say that of, there's maybe like five or six films that have been released direct to digital that haven't played in cinemas because they've been shot. And for some of those films, like say, for example, there's a film called The Hunt, which I'm excited to see, but I'm not super excited to see. I'm happy to wait for like a couple of months until it crops up on Netflix and just watch it there. But that's gone direct to digital. And so for 20, 30 bucks, you can just buy it directly. And I think for films like that, where there isn't really a pre-existing audience, I think Mm. it's a bit of a hard ask. But something which is like a Pixar movie, where people have very strong connections with the Disney animated films and Pixar very specifically. Sure. If you're into Pixar, like, I can definitely see there'll be a bunch of people who won't want to wait till the 24th of April and would be more than happy to spend 20 to 30 bucks to watch it earlier. Yeah, it's interesting. It's because it's, uh, it's not a massive window, is it, to be sort of charging that extra price point? No. For exclusive viewing. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Can you do some research on that? I mean, you know, I'll see what I can find out, but... I do think there's probably an audience for things like Marvel movies or like a Star Wars film to have like that sort of exclusive window ahead of a streaming release. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. But the films that can do that these days are far and few between. Mm. Yes, it'll be interesting to see if people, if it's worth the effort. I mean, I guess they don't lose any money by waiting in a couple of weeks to put it on Disney Plus. So it's not really much of a gamble um, putting it out there in the digital realm. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Now, Chris... We've kind of wound down the, we're going to talk about things we've been watching portion of this podcast, but I've got two bits of business I need to take care of. One, there is one more thing that I have been watching recently, which is me going backwards and watching the early seasons of the show Bosch. Every murder is the tale of a city. I don't believe there's a better world than this one. This is the police. I think this is the only one we got. How about I buy you a drink? Call me. I know that love. Yeah, if anyone would. Feels like we're putting band-aids on bullet holes. Hands up! There's another body. If I don't take you, you'll never know. Well, I want you in charge of this field trip. What went wrong out there? Everything. Chris, are you across Bosch at all? No, I'm not across Bosch. Okay, so this... Across Bosch. Across Bosch. Across... 
that's me doing a Sean Connery, I think. A crush Bosch. It was good. It was, it was great. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> Bosch, uh, it's a police procedural drama. It's, uh, the show is run by Eric Overmeyer, who's one of the guys that worked with David Simon in creating The Wire and Treme and doing a whole bunch of stuff with him. So, you know, quality TV writer playing in the very sort of manly TV space. And it's him doing a very traditional TV cop drama. But what's interesting is it's based on a series of of books starring the Harry Bosch character. And each season of the show more or less takes its cues from one to two of the books. And they kind of compress it all into a 10 episode run, which is very much like reading a book in one of these series of ongoing stories involving the Mm. same detectives. So you really get that full, complete story with every season, with a couple of thematic ideas that carry over from storyline to storyline. So far, there's been five seasons. Season six debuts on Amazon Prime as of next week, I believe. Um, I'm only up to season five now, so I'm just trying to catch up so I can get there ready in time for it. But what I like about this program is it's kind of like ultimate dad viewing. Like, Chris, you're a dad now, so you can watch a bunch of very (laughs) sort of generic cop dramas and get a lot out of them. Sure. Yeah, and so I think maybe Bosch is something you should be looking at. It's not going to be the most exciting, no, innovative good. TV that you watch, but man, is it satisfying. I, I much prefer satisfying over exciting or innovative at this point in life. I've, there's been plenty of innovation. We don't need a lot more innovating. Yeah. the idea. I'm, hap- I'm happy with what we got. <laughs> I, I think the idea of dad television is that, and particularly in times where there aren't sports on, you've, you've been, you know, toying with the kids for, you know, the day. Like, it's a Sunday afternoon. You've been there hanging out with the kids, like you're there falling asleep on a couch a little bit. You've got a drink in your hand and you're watching a good old fashioned police cop drama. Ah, that sounds brilliant. Yeah. Hey, you know what I was thinking of just um, when uh, back in the day when Channel 9 used to have the cricket and the cricket would be cancelled because of rain or someone would win early or something like that. And that crossed the commission. They used to, well, they used to play Cheers is what I always remember. It probably only happened a few times, but I used to remember Cheers being the backup show that would come on when it was raining. So it would be like praying for the rain so that we'd get an episode of Cheers. Um, do you think with Cricket cancelled for the year, maybe we could just get a whole channel of Cheers finally? Oh, look, I mean, I think that's a great idea. But with streaming services now, like Cheers is pretty much on tap. You don't really have to wait for a rained out tennis match. I guess not. I'm just living in the past, Dan. I just don't want to give, give, say goodbye to the old world. <laughs> just hold on while you can. But All it, right, I got, I'm a busy man. I've got things to do. What was the other bit of business you had to, to, to discuss? Okay, so I just want to say Bosch. Uh, it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. In Australia, we awesome. get the new seasons of Bosch on SBS. I don't know if they've announced a release date for the new season of it. But if you are outside of Australia, you can watch it on Amazon as of like a week from now. But all the old seasons of Bosch are sitting there on Amazon Prime. But Chris, the other bit of TV business that I need to cross through is that I thought, look, we're doing the podcasting a little bit differently. And with that, things means that maybe we should be mixing up what we're doing here on the podcast. So you and I, we've both watched a lot of TV in our time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've accrued a fair bit of TV knowledge during that time correct i don't know yeah sure why not okay i'm introducing a new feature here to the always be watching podcast so i'm introducing a new feature here on the always be watching podcast chris this is called the tv masters now oh my god i should say this is something i've introduced without actually mentioning to chris at all but he's totally on board for it i know it in my heart (laughs) sure here's the tv masters there's 100 questions there's two contestants that's you and me there's going to be one victor. 
That's going to be you. No, me. I don't know. I should be more confident. Okay. It, it could be either of us. So there's ways for each <laughs> right, of us to sure. game it. So it's all going to be fair. Okay. okay. So each week, one of us is going to take turns of being the quiz master and asking the other person 10 questions. So we get to choose whatever ten. the subject will be. So, for example, right. I've chosen this week's subject and I think you'll do okay at it. Now, obviously, over the course of the next uh, 10 weeks, okay, each of us are going to answer 50 questions each. And we're going to tally these up. And whoever has the higher number at the end of this 10 weeks, they win the TV Masters. So, Chris... Awesome. Is there a prize? Uh, uh, yeah, there should be a prize. Um, we'll, we'll work that out. This, we'll have an offline meeting. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about right, awarding so, something. Oh. I thought that winning was a prize in itself, but here we are. <laughs> of course. Okay. All right, all right, sure. So, Chris, each week we can theme it to whatever we want, which is how you can game it. I've decided to go with something which I actually think is a fairly fair subject. And, Chris, I have chosen for this week the TV, the inaugural TV Masters Challenge, TV show creators. So, here's how this round is going to work. I'm going to name TV show creators. You just have to name what show they created. Oh, God. All right. Okay, I will say I don't actually think this is very difficult. But we'll see. Okay. Now, the caveat with, with this is that TV show writers and creators go from a lot of shows and they create a lot of shows. So, for some of these, there are multiple creators. And if, for example, let's say that it was... Um, oh, gosh. I'm trying to think of a um, TV show here. Um, Seinfeld. Okay. So, if, sure. if I said that the creators of this is Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld... The only answer could be Seinfeld. It couldn't be Curb Your Enthusiasm because Jerry Seinfeld wasn't a creator of Curb. Sure. Okay. So that's that's the rules. Okay. So we're going to kick things I off. I understand. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start exceptionally easy and go to a midpoint, which is slightly harder, but not that much harder. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. For round one, James Burrows, Glenn Charles, Les Charles. Cheers. There we go. You get a point. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let's keep going here. Uh, David. All right. David Angel. Peter Casey. David Lee. Hmm. This one's a bit harder. Love boat. No, but you are familiar with all three creators because they were all writers on oh, Cheers, and they all banded together to create a show called Frasier. Oh, jeez. Of course. Sorry. All right. <laughs> it's amateur hour it's here. Jeez. Okay. It's a theme. <laughs> okay, we're moving. I'm just going to say the love boat to Eddie. Love boat is the same as pass. <laughs> I will say the love boat is not featured at all during this here part of the quiz. But it could be in future oh, weeks. Great. Who knows? Okay, okay. Okay. This one here, I don't think you're going to get, but I'll be very impressed if you do. <laughs> right. Stephen J. Cannell and a guy named Roy Huggins. Now, Stephen J. Cannell, oh, people no. know for creating all sorts of TV shows over the years, including the aforementioned yes. The Commish. And people would know if yes. you watch TV through the 80s and early 90s, the title uh, vanity card of his production company at the end, uh, Stephen J. Cannell, it'd be him sitting at the typewriter and flicks out the bit of paper and goes spinning around everywhere. Cranking it out. Another piece of gold straight from the typewriter of Stephen J. Cannell. Exactly. I'm going to say Magnum P.I. Look, you were so close with that. So incredibly close. <sighs> But instead, it's the Rockford Files. Ah, that's, oh, that's yeah. interesting. I didn't actually know that was him. There you go. Gosh, he was prolific. Yeah. Uh, the Rockford Files in Australia, you can actually find at the moment on, I think it's nine now. I've seen it streaming. Mm. Yeah. All right. I'm learning things. This is good. Yeah. So anyway, the guy Roy Huggins that he created it with, he's actually a fairly prolific TV creator in his own right. 
Um, so he worked with Stephen J. Cannell in creating a show called City of Angels, which I also would have accepted, but also the odds of you <laughs> knowing that show existed slim to none. But yes. Roy Huggins also created a show called The Fugitive. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Here's one for you that I think is probably a bit of a slam dunk win. Mel Brooks and Buck <laughs> right. Henry. Get smart. Yeah, get smart. Okay, here we go. Reg Watson. Um, no, no idea. Oh, come on. You could do this. <laughs> no, Reg Watson. I've never heard of Reg Watson. Are you, Sorry, not, are you not familiar with a TV show called Neighbours? <laughs> I, I also would have accepted Prisoner or Sons and Daughters. Oh, geez, that's pretty good ones. I'm, not, I'm just not as good on my Australian shows. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Australia. Outrageous. local industry. Why do you hate Australia? I haven't watched Neighbours for a long time. I, I was very into Neighbours in the sort of uh, late 90s, early 2000s era. But um, actually yes, th- I've fallen off. I actually think your Neighbours viewing extended into the mid-2000s. Because when I first met you, you watched a lot of Neighbours. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Might have <laughs> stuck around there for the mid-2000s, yes. Okay, let's keep this thing going. Uh, Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton, TV program. Yep. Um, Obviously creator and writer of the book Jurassic Park. So what, are we going to say Westworld? Is that what we're saying? Uh, well, he did create Westworld, but the TV... Look, oh, you just put me into a awkward thing here. So <laughs> I, would, I would suggest he isn't the creator of the HBO series Westworld, but I do think that you could probably say inspired by the works of Michael Crichton. Yeah. So I'm not going to pay um, that no, one, I but don't... if you wanted to argue it, I might take it. So it's another sort of, I'm, I'm guessing it's another show about a theme park where something goes horribly wrong? Uh, strangely, not with this one. But that was a uh, common theme through a lot of his me. works. Yes, I thought that was what he did. Okay, so before he went and became a prolific writer, he was a doctor. And he wrote a screenplay really early in his career, which was just sitting in a drawer and never really got, like, nothing happened with it until the mid-90s, and it became a TV show called ER. Get out of town. Get out, indeed. Okay, let's keep this That's going. That's good trivia. I had no idea. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. Okay, Chris, come on. If you don't get this one, I'll be very disappointed. Matt Groening and David X. Cohen. Futurama. There we go. Okay. Uh, show which- did they... Did they did- did he also do the um, terrible one that's uh, currently on Netflix? Uh, Dis- Disenchantment. So, Matt- Dis- Yeah, did David Cohen have anything to do with that? Uh, David X. Cohen does have something to do with it, but he's not one of the creators of the show, but he's a producer and has written a couple of the episodes. Okay, good. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Okay. Sherwood Schwartz. Oh, God, it's familiar, but I- I'm not going to try and guess. Okay. He-, he created a little show called The Brady Bunch. I also I also would have accepted have Gilligan's Island. Oof, big guns. Big gun of television there. Never heard of him. Sorry, mate. Interesting fact about Sherwood Schwartz is that uh, not only did he create those shows, but he also wrote the theme songs to it because he knew there was a big financial kickback from the songs being ah. played on the shows every week. Did you know that... Um, uh, oh, who's... Who made MASH? I always forget. I've forgotten his name. I've blanked on his name. Robert Altman. Yeah. His son wrote, um, su- his son wrote Suicide is Painless, the theme from MASH, um, which, yes, saw him never have to work another day in his life, of course, as soon as that became a TV show. <laughs> that- made an incredible amount of money. That is very good. I think it's like the only song he ever wrote, too. Pretty good. Pretty good going. Okay, Chris, I'm going to throw you this one. Genji Cohen. 
Oh. No, sorry, Dan. Okay. It's a very familiar name. I mean, you could say Orange is the New Black, but I think the show that's probably closest to your heart is a show called Weeds. Oh, really? I didn't know they were created by the same person. There you go. Yeah. Okay, final one, Chris. And this one, okay. like, this is really just handing it to you on a plate. What have I got, like, three or, out of ten or something? I'm um, doing terribly, Dan. No, that's okay. This is a terrible idea. you know, we'll see what things you throw at me. Like, I may drown just as equally. All right, sure. Okay, here we go. Three names. Andrew O'Connor, Sam Bain, Jesse Armstrong. No, I've got no idea, Dan. Now, <laughs> in fairness, I know two of those names. Didn't realize there was a third creator on this show. Ah, uh, let me guess. I'll, I'll I'll take a punt. Alf. Alf. Uh, no. Uh, Alf. Oh god, what's the name of the guy that created Alf? It's like uh, I can't remember. something yeah. Fusco. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, strange guy. Okay, no, this is a British comedy created by Andrew oh. O'Connor, Sam Bain, and Jesse Armstrong. It's a show called Peep Show, Chris. Get out. I knew you were going to try and... I knew you would try and stab me with one that are one of my absolute favourite shows <laughs> at some point. Um, wow. So, David Mitchell and... Uh, and uh, Robert Webb. The other guy had nothing to... Robert, yeah. Robert Webb. They, did, he, they didn't have anything to do with creating the show. They were, they were merely uh, actors. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So, I'm sure that there's probably, like, creative input from them. But in terms of the actual writing of the scripts and the creation of the show, it's Sam Bain, Jesse Armstrong, and Andrew O'Connor. Although, Andrew O'Connor, I, I don't know what his deal is, because it was Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong that were the writers on the show. Yeah, yeah, right. So, it was probably he was at the pub when they kind of came up with the idea, maybe. Possibly, or some sort of uh, TV commissioning office. <laughs> oh, you've got to break the romance for me. I thought all pub- aren't all shows written on the back of napkins in pubs? Oh, I mean, a lot of British shows are. Uh, Jesse Armstrong, obviously, <laughs> has gone on to great success recently with the HBO show Succession. Yeah, which, you know, I'm not sold on, to be honest, Dan. I've got to, I'm going to give it another go. I got a few into it, and I was like, nah, I've, I found it hard going. But I, but I know a lot of people are enjoying it that, who normally enjoy the same things I like, so I'm going to give it another go. Yeah, my advice with Succession is that I actually think the first three to four episodes of it are a bit of a slog, but once you sort of fall into the rhythms of it and the show sort of gets a bit more confident in where it's at, like, I think it just goes gangbusters from then on. I think I did three episodes, and I was like, oh, I'm still not feeling it, but... I, um, yes, such is my love of Peep Show that I'm absolutely willing to give it another run. Um, and there were some great performances and stuff, but yeah. Okay, now do you d- deem that segment a success, Dan? Or would you say it's more like the um, spin-off to Cheers um, about the... Uh, is it a success like Frasier? Or is it more of a failure like the show about um, Carla's ex-husband's family? Hey. Are you talking about Nick Tortelli, the show called yes. The Tortellis? <laughs> the Tortellis, I couldn't even remember, yes. <laughs> Has this segment proven to be more of a Frasier or more of a Tortellis? What do you think? Look, I don't think it's either a Frasier or a Tortellis. I think it's maybe more the show that David Angel, Peter Casey and David Lee created before Frasier, a show called Wings, which is oh, that yeah. it, just, it just hums along in the background and, you know, it's perfectly serviceable, but it's probably not going to be people's favourite segment. Yeah, no one's like, no one says I hate Wings, but nobody's going yeah. like, Wings is my favourite show of all time. <laughs> I, do know a, I do know a guy whose favourite show of all time is Frasier. Just give a shout out to Rav right now. It's a, it's a weird thing to like uh, put, put a flag in the ground about, but he, he, can, he ensures me that it's the greatest show ever made. Yeah, I know a guy whose favourite show is The Tortellis. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? I have seen it. I've watched the I've, I've watched the first one that's on YouTube like 
many, many times. I think there's a few. I, I show it to people all the time. Like, can you believe this exists? And that they never care, but I watch it again. Is it actually good? Because I've always been curious about it. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? How could you have never seen it? No, it's not good. It's terrible. It's exactly what you, it's exactly as bad as it could be. And then some, you know. Look, I'll tell you why I haven't seen it. It's because I spent a lot of my time on YouTube watching the failed Golden Girls spin-off, The Golden Palace. <laughs> that was pretty... Yeah, I've worked, Which, I, I'm guilty of the same. <laughs> I will actually say I watched the first episode of it this afternoon. What, do you rate it? Was it? Did it deserve to fail? Oh, look, I don't think it deserved to fail. Like, there was one or two good jokes. But yeah, it's, it's definitely rough going. It's no Golden Girls. It had Cheech in it, right? Yeah, well, it had Cheech Marin, but it also had, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, Don Cheadle. Oh, get out of town, John Cheadle. That's amazing. Do they, do him and, him and Cheech riff, riff off against each other? Here's a bit of a, here's a little known fact for you. Here's a quiz question for you. What was the, um, what show is, uh, what, what show did, what, what very popular 80s television show, um, sitcom was, uh, Cheech a star of? Cheech the star of? I not a star, uh, not the not the main star, but he did a he did a a, a very regular guest spot. I'm like I know he had his '90s series Nash Bridges alongside Don Johnson. No, no, he was he was the voice of Buck the dog in Married with Children. Really, <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited you didn't know that. You should have held that over for your quiz next week of popular voices of dogs. It's given me a, it's given me an idea for a segment. I just won't have the best question that there is to possibly have. Yeah. So yeah, I started this with a fairly generic thing of TV creators. This can get as weird as you want. <laughs> yes. All right. Cool. I, I, I can definitely come up with some weird ones that will uh, stump you in your tracks. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So the next nine weeks. In fact, I'm willing to just to dump the TV reviews and just do stupid TV trivia. <laughs> yeah. Let's just let's just switch pivot pivot 180 to quiz strictly quiz. <laughs> It's what the people want. Anyway, Chris, it has been a pleasure talking to your disembodied head. You too, Dan. Absolutely. Well, it's really a disembodied voice. It's not really a head. That'd be weird. Yeah. My head is mm. on my shoulders. It is bodied. Don't worry. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. So, things are positive for you then. <laughs> yeah. Things are going, yeah. Things are going as best as it can be, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, my head's stuck on my shoulders as well. So, you know, things are still going to plan, which is good. Great. We're yeah. on track. Uh, <laughs> we are. Can you tell we Chris, haven't yeah. talked to other human beings in, in several weeks at this point? Uh, we probably should have had a chat beforehand just to kind of remember what it's like to converse with other humans other than the people we live with. No, this is exactly it. Like, you are legitimately the first person I've talked to properly that isn't like a work person <laughs> over the phone. It's very strange, isn't it? Strange times. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, I've got some TV I've got to watch. <laughs> okay, Dan. Just to break things up. Anyway, Chris, it has been a pleasure. We'll be back with another podcast next week. Uh, this has been Always Be Watching. If you like the podcast, you can find us at alwaysbewatching.com. Uh, there's a daily newsletter there you can subscribe to. Also, the Always Be Watching podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. Bit of a hiccup this week as I've been transferring some RSS feeds around the place. So, apologies if you saw one or two podcasts cropping up in your feed. Uh, but hopefully everything should be back to normal within the next day or two. But anyway, Chris, this has been Always Be Watching. I've had a blast asking you questions. I'm looking forward to the next nine weeks of the TV Masters. Excellent. Me too, Dan. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) You're too polite. Guys, we'll catch you next week. (laughs) 